You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and we got a good episode today. Um, this is an awesome example of a company that is doing a lot of really good and interesting things. They're breaking through innovation and technology barriers. Um, it sounds like almost on a yearly basis now. And uh, as you will hear, in this episode uh, from the guy that we're interviewing. His name is Nadal, Nadal Ashker from uh, APA Archery. Uh, these guys are doing some awesome things. And uh, when you hear the owner of a company basically come out and say, listen, we are, we compete with the top brands in the company. And in a roundabout way, I, I would say that the only reason that they're not on the top right now is because um, they haven't been around as long as some of the other more predominant brands. But it's and and I haven't shot a bow yet, so I can't put my two cents into this uh, conversation. But you're going to hear us talk about uh, innovation, uh, how being different is important and good, and. Um, and, and what the consumers want and, and things like that when it comes to a compound bow. So it's a very interesting uh, conversation today with Nadal and uh, from, a, from a company that's, again, not to sound like a broken record, that's doing amazing things. And uh, I would put their innovation and technology, especially when it comes to their roller guard, pay attention to that, uh, and the ability for that roller guard to time the cams. Uh, that's uh, that's a pretty awesome innovation. So uh, you know, keep an ear out for that. But uh, man, we talk about the compound bow market in general, design, innovation, um, some of the other technologies that they add to the to their bows um, since 2006, and it's a uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool episode. So there's that. I gotta take a drink of water. Mm. All right, <clears throat> so commercial time got to do a quick commercial uh the average if you're looking for some awesome apparel uh t-shirts hoodies hats they have some other uh logo logo wear not only is it awesome and it fits really well and it's the soft kind of material but at the same time they are giving 10 percent of all of their revenue to some form of conservation effort and a lot of brands out there aren't talking the talk and walking the walk right a lot of hunting brands out there probably aren't giving too much to conservation average conservationist is giving 10 percent. not only that but he is promoting conservation through his podcast the average conservationist podcast so go to the average take a look at all the apparel that these guys offer again it's bat badass uh the euro t-shirt and the general hat are my two favorite things from their store as of right now and at purchase at checkout enter the discount code nfc10 for 10% off hunt stand again it's this time of year where we should all be out scouting right unless you only hunt a very small piece and you're happy with that you can learn a lot right through documentation and through uh, finding out where deer are at and where deer are not at uh, right now there's no terrain or there's no vegetation on the landscape so get out be able to view the terrain to view the landscape and notice the subtleties in that and see how deer use those subtleties creating pinch points staging areas uh, food sources bedding areas higher stem count uh, how trails fluctuate um, 
you know, given the, the vegetation that's on the trees. And you can document all that on hunt stand, drop your pins, um, trail cameras, tree stands, rubs, scrapes, put together a journal. And the more information you put in your journal, the more information you have to reference when it's time to get out in the woods and make a play on a potentially a, a once-in-a-lifetime buck. So uh, huntstand.com and at checkout, enter the discount code SN20. Also, these guys are putting out, uh, I believe, new satellite imagery every month, and no one else is doing that. So uh, take a look at that. And then Hunt Stand, or excuse me, and then um, Novex Outdoors, Tree Stands, Go to Novex Outdoors. Take a look at all of the the tree stands that these guys have to offer. Um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of you know moving from Lone Wolf into Novex. It's pretty much the same product, different brand, different company, but we have a uh, I'm a I'm a fan of the the smaller platform with the four sticks. And made in America product, easy to set up, easy to uh, tear down, very quiet. That's very important, and uh, it allows you to get in any tree not not a tree that's close enough but the right tree and sometimes five yards can make a big difference so uh go check out novexoutdoors.com and lastly i want to thank my wife for letting me do this every day it's awesome and thank you for uh thank you for for listening and paying attention so we got an awesome podcast let's get into today's episode with apa archery three two, one. All right. On the podcast today, Mr. Nadal Ashkar from APA Archery. How are we doing, man? I'm doing good. And you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Thanks for taking time out of uh, your day to hop on and, and chat about APA. Yeah, it's good to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, there are people out there who they love, they just love to shoot archery, right? And not necessarily hunt. Are you a, a hunter by chance? I am. Since I was, a, since I was young, I bet you, I, I built my first bow back in a, kind of a willow. I was probably like eight years old. You know, that's how it started with me. Yeah. Um, and so since then I kind of got addicted to the archery just as a, a young, you know, a young person you know, building my second bow out of a fishing rod, actually, a lower section of our fishing rod and using the top section of your fishing rod to make the arrow out of it. Took all the rings off and uh, actually was a pretty decent performing little bow that I made. I remember that pretty clearly. <laughs> Man, that's, that's, that's crazy. It really, you know, it really was actually. It was just actually something that was just an attraction to me. Uh, a bow and arrow was always something that intrigued me since I was young, I guess, you know. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So, how was this uh, past hunting season for you? Oh, it's actually great. I ended up shooting a, uh, a bull moose this year, um, and it was uh, around a fifty-yard shot, and it was great because we were testing our new um, our twenty twenty-two lineup. Actually, in the field, we did quite a few changes to make the bows more tunable that's what we focused on for 2022 the tunability and yeah it was great to see it in action in the field how my arrow flight was using a fixed blade broad hat and i was actually more amazed by the arrow flight leaving the bow than actually taking down the moose i was that impressed with the with it you know because i had a nocturnal uh, lighted knock on the on the arrow and i could just see it going out towards that moose like a laser you know and going right <laughs> through the actually just nicked the top of the heart on it it was pretty awesome yeah and I'll tell you what, man, there's something about a well-tuned bow and just watching an arrow go exactly where you want it. That's pretty satisfying. Oh, is it ever? Uh, more than, you know, I, out of all the years I've been hunting, this year in particular, I paid the most attention to that um, because we were focused on that for 2022. And it really is satisfying to watch. Like, it is yeah. a process to see once that arrow tuned so well, you know. Yeah. Well, let's get right into it then. Um, how how old is APA Archery? Uh, APA Archery, we started it in 2002. So 20 years, actually. You know, 20 years. Uh, nine, you know, greater than that 20 years old right now. Okay, 20 years old. And so, uh, obviously, in 20 years, the, the compound bow has changed dramatically, you know, from materials and... Uh, I guess, design and engineering. How, what have you witnessed 
from the last 20 years and how the, the compound bow in general has changed? Oh, it's actually a t- tremendous amount of difference from what it was because I've been shooting since I was young. So I've had, I've been in the industry probably over 40 years of shooting compound bows, I would say, you know, and um, in fact, we were just doing a reno in our factory bow shop here and we had a few older bows hanging there just for, you know, for sake. And when you, when we were taking them down, it was just the size of the bow, just a tremendous how how big they were, how heavy, bulky, and just then they just weren't user friendly at all. But now you're making a bow that's lightweight, compact, and especially with our brand, it's so functional. It makes it easier for you to carry it and hang it and all that. And then the the, the, the satisfaction of actually shooting the arrow before you had all that vibration and noise, and, you know, it was hard to hold at full draw. Now you can be drawn back, take your time, relax, aim, you know, and it's just, it's just a tremendous amount of change happened to the compound bow in the last years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to like where you guys started versus where you are at now with the manufacturing and, and the design and engineering that goes into this, has your thought process changed at all or, how do you every year, you know, maybe you can speak on how you used to do it, maybe versus how you do it now, if there's any change there, but how do you come about, you know, come out every year and say, okay, this is what we have to do, or this is where the market's trending, or how do you guys approach that, those types of uh, questions when coming out with a new bow every year? Right on. One one thing I might I should note is I've always been the person that wants to be different from other people. Like even before we had APA, when I bought a compound bow for myself, I wanted it to be kind of unique. I, I'd find a brand out there that's not very popular, but a unique design of some sort. Like for example, Oneida bows. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. My first bow. Uh, where? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yep. Perfect. So I, I went through five different Oneida bows personally on Screaming Eagle, the Strike Eagle, the H500, whatever, all of those. I went through them all. Uh, in fact, it was a Jennings Unistar bow. I'm not sure if you ever heard of that bow. That's a really cool, unique bow too. It had a big cam in the bottom that, that it was in the center of the riser controlled, had two idler wheels on the ends. You know, that's the type of stuff I was always interested in. It was always intrigued me to be uh, I guess, different than the norm, you know? Yeah. So when we started APA, uh, it was 2002. Like I had a, started out as a small pro shop in my house, just fixing my own equipment, my buddy's equipment. I was good at tuning bows and that kind of stuff. And 2002, opened up a pro shop in range. And then um, I invented the arrow rest called, we called it the APA Ultimate, which is a full containment arrow rest much like the whisker biscuit, but it uses a uh, stainless steel design and it has a little less fletching contact to hold your arrow in place. Um, so that's really what sparked APA to start. So we manufactured the arrow rests all the way through to 2006. So we never had any bows up until 2006. 2006 is when we decided to get into the bow. And our main focus was always about performance and functionality. That's basically what we wanted to make that was different from what's already existing out there you know and it's a tough industry to penetrate especially how you know how that is everything's about uh the brand you know the brand is very important people you know feel that confidence when they buy a certain brand because it's been out there for a while or whatever right um so we focusing on that that section where you're looking at functionality and performance so we wanted to make the bow more user-friendly in the field when you're out there with it whether you're carrying it, you're, you know, you're packing it, you're, we introduced you know, tool centers and so on. And in fact, in 2006, we introduced a boat called um, the Mamba. It's called the Black Mamba, actually. Just the Black Mamba. Hang on one second. That boat, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt. Hang on one second. Yeah. So you were a, yeah, a essentially a rest company and you decided to jump into the bow market. Why? What what about 2006 was the right time for you guys to jump into the compound bow market? I'll tell you why. Uh, when we introduced the arrow rest, it was a very functional, a great design, you know, and it was a new thing for us to manufacture, right? Yeah. We, you know, we first thought 
we might sell the concept to another company. In fact, we had a couple of other restaurant companies interested in buying it from us. But we thought, you know what, let's just do it ourselves, see how far we could take this, you know. And we, with a big risk, we started manufacturing the rest, went to the, uh, initially it was the AMO show, um, 2002, uh, and um, then it turned into the ATA show, which is today. And then I think we made the top 10 products with the, with the yeah. Aero Rest when we first introduced it. Now, we had, but we, we, the challenge was the overhead was so high that the Aero Rest by itself just wasn't enough to sustain what we wanted to do, you know. That's when I got thinking, and it was being missed. It's a small item, so it takes a lot of marketing for people to see it and so on. And then that's when I decided, you know what, let's maybe see if we can make a better bow, right? And then I got thinking, I, I've got a lot of field experience. Uh, I did a lot of whitetail hunting and so on in my, in my time. I lived in there. From not working, I was hunting, you know. And um, I just wanted to make a bow that's just more easier to, to use, to pack, and high performance. So in 06, we introduced the most important part was the carry handle on the front of the bow. It's, the, it's like a bridge yeah. and the carry handle strengthens the riser and helps you carry the bow more comfortably. That was kind of what sparked the design of making a new bow, you know, that that was unique to the industry, I guess, right? Right. Um, now, it, and then we made it so it was fast. In fact, that year, 2006, the Black Mamba was the fastest bow on the market at 346 feet per second, you know? Yeah. I can um, remember so, uh, back then... Right when I, in 2006, my very first bow I ever bought with my own money was a Bowtech Tribute. And I can remember, you know, going around trying to test all the other bows and speed was was in at that point, right? Like PSE and, and all these other uh, brands were talking about how fast their bow, how fast their bow could shoot. And so you guys were at the top of the market. Uh, at, at that point with the speed, the IBO speed, correct? We were. Yes, exactly. Like our very first, uh, you know, very first bow. See, before there was the Black Knight, the Black Max. Do you remember those two bows? No, not not really. Black Knight. And it was a Black Max by Matthews. Black Max was 330 feet per second. And the Black Knight by Bowtech was 350 feet per second, right? But they discontinued those. Uh, in 0405, they quit making those two bows. When we came into the market, we were at 346 in 2006. So we were the fastest at that time, you know. Um, and then what was unique about the first bow is it had the carry handle support bridge, as well as it had the broadhead wrench, knock indexing tool, and a carbide sharpener. That's what we uh, had that was kind of unique, where you had a little built-in tool center into the bow back then, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, so... Uh, it was pretty, pretty interesting. See the phone call here. Somebody will grab it to the other office. There we go. All right. So, uh, and then from there, um, in 2008, we added the fang to the riser. That that uh, looks like a hook on the top of the riser. It allows you to hang your bow on a branch in the field, so you can have your arrow loaded on the bow, ready yeah. to, sh- to grab and shoot. You know. Yep. So that was kind of another unique kind of a. Uh, you know, it made the bow really stand out of the crowd. When you see an APA bow, that's the other thing we wanted is we didn't want to blend into the crowd, right? Because right. as you know today, many bows look so much similar, similar similarity to them, right? So you look at it, you don't know really is it this brand or is it this brand. You almost have to go and read the name on it to know, oh, that's what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, there's only certain brands out there that have a really clear identity to them. And it's only like maybe two or three brands out there that you can actually see from a distance and you can recognize what they are, right? Yeah, APA right. is definitely one of them, you know? Yeah. And I think, how, let me ask you this. Does standing out from the crowd visually, maybe you know the answer to this, maybe you don't, but do you think that actually impacts the the sales that you have or impacts the decision-making Um uh, for your customers or for the general compound bow mu- uh, buyers out there? You know, sometimes it works. In general, it works to your, to our favor, but there is instances where some people just are not used to this particular look, right? Yeah. So that could discourage them from, from trying the product. 
for example, I have the odd person say, oh, I don't like how the carry handle looks on the front of the book, right? Right. Which is fair enough. You know, everybody has their own taste. It's a, it's a cause, to, to them, it's just a cosmetic appearance that doesn't appeal to them. Um, where our bow really shines is when you go and use it in the field, okay? Once you put it in hand and go out and use it for a week or whatever, we find the guys that do that, rarely will ever go to another brand after that that's yeah. how it, how addictive it is uh, when it comes to functionality you know yeah okay so from from standing out right and and now looking looking different and actually performing is two completely different things, right? So you can you can make your bow look different, but you gotta it has to perform in order for people to say, "Oh man, I really like this bow." Um, was there ever a uh, I guess uh, a time as you're as you want to check the box, let's say, of looking different that looking different and functionality collided and it wasn't going to work or you had to uh, work around and, and innovate to to accomplish both goals? Yes. In fact, when we introduced the carry handle, the first generation of the risers, we made the carry handle way oversized, right? So right. it actually did not automatically be nice. It made it look too bulky, awkward, now with the new design, we trimmed it right down now, so it actually almost flows right with a riser, where it has a nice look to it, but still does gives you that functionality that that it was always meant, intended for. You know, right. now one thing about the way we went about building our boat is we made improvements every year, small improvements, but they're like kind of a rock solid improvement. Right now, you will see other manufacturers they will completely redesign the bow from year to year. Like you'll have one bow and just scratch the whole thing, build a whole new size, a new cutouts in it and so on. Yeah. And do that, you know, year after year. We, if you look at our history, our bows, sometimes it's almost hard to tell what year our bow is because they're very subtle improvements, you know? Right. And it's almost like looking at a, a Ferrari or Lamborghini, for example, you don't see them changing the complete design of the Ferrari or the Lamborghini every year, right? Or uh, a Jeep, for example, right? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we are. How the approach we went about is we made just small improvements every year, which makes it, I, I guess, more reliable in a way, right? Because you're not completely changing something, right? Uh, where you're taking a bit of a risk that you didn't have enough testing done and so on, right? Right. Right. Okay, so then... Um you you found a way to look different. The functionality's there. Um, as the as the guy in charge over there, what from a functionality standpoint really stands out uh, for for your for your bows? Because I can uh, the motto. Let's just say I'll use elite archery for an example. There the whole the whole thing behind their bows is shootability, right? We want to have a uh, the the most shootable bow compound bow. Um, that there is, and you, and you can take that, I guess, however you want it. But if someone was to ask you, you know, what's behind your guys's brand, your bows, what would you say to them? I'd say our bow, we build the very best hunting backcountry bow in the world. That's how confident I am in our design because that's what we focused on. We focused on primarily the hunting aspect of archery, uh, where you can actually take this bow. It's almost a whole toolkit in your hand. You don't have to carry anything else. You don't need to have a, your your broadhead wrench. You don't need a knock-turning tool, carbide, a sharpener to sharpen your knife, broadheads in the field if you're somewhere down. You know, you have a moose down, your knife is dull, you can go to your bow, sharpen your bow, or sharpen your knife, you know, field dress it. Um, if you're in a situation where you have to service the bow, something, your peep site's not lining up for you, you're in the field, you're whatever, two miles up in the mountain, we have our cam lock technology where you can lock the cam, no tools at all, take your string off, adjust your peep site, put it back on. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. so capable, right? So it's almost like, a, you know, it's been nicknamed the Swiss Army of Bows, right? That's what, you know, we hear that uh, frequently sometimes. Yeah, which uh, that seems to be a trend 
uh, in the market, right, is everybody is trying to make their bows more adjustable um, uh, without a bow press, right? Uh, we've seen that from Bowtech and other brands, and, and you guys are in, in that category as well. Um, was, that, was that something difficult to to i guess innovate or engineer that those those the the swiss army knife capabilities into your bow or was it something that was fairly simple you know i wouldn't say you know simple it's just the idea of being innovative to come up with the concept or the idea of putting something into the bow right once you have that idea then it's just a matter of planning it out okay how can we go about executing this plan you know what i mean um so it's all about a lot of this design really comes from me being in the field myself hunting yeah. with a bow and thinking of how can i make my life easier out here you know whatever in, in whatever way right and then i take that idea i do a lot of my research development sitting in my tree stand or out on a hunt somewhere you know what i mean it's not like i'm sitting here looking at a computer, how can I make it a nice cutout on the bowl, make it look nice or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't think that way. I more, I think more um, usability, functionality. Now I've always been addicted to aerospeed. As you know, my first, one of my first bows was the Oneida. And that was the first bow that broke to 300 feet per second in the, you know, back then. Yeah. So I've always been addicted to aerospeed back trajectory. So whenever we build a bow, we always try to keep it at the top end of the aerospeed at the same time, that was just a natural part. It wasn't a, you know, something that we pushed for our sales. Our sales were more the functionality, but when it comes to performance, it's also right at the top of the charts. You know what I mean? So you're gaining as well in performance as well as functionality. You know? Yeah. Okay. Um, so as you guys uh, continue to do this, like. Is is this the first year with the the knife sharpener and the because you have a broadhead tightener in there as well? Is that mm -hmm. that's yeah. the first year with all that stuff on it? Right. Yeah, we introduced I guess four technologies, which was the, the carry handle and support bridge, uh, the the broadhead wrench, knock indexing tool, and the carbide sharpener. So that's what we had that was unique, I guess, to the industry when we first introduced the bow to the market. And that was in 2006? Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So all that, all that stuff was, um, all that stuff was on there, uh, that has been on there for a while now. Um, the, uh, the, the cam lock system to take your string off, has that always been a part of it as well? Or has, is that more recent technology? That's more recent. So I would say in 2008, we added the fang to the top of the riser, which you can hang your bow with it. Yep. And then, oh, nothing. we kind of focused a little bit harder on the speed, and we introduced the fastest bow that year at 362 feet per second, which we called the King Cobra. Yeah. And that was actually quite a popular model, right? Now, after the King Cobra, 2010 is when we introduced the cam lock technology. That's okay. That allowed you to service your bow in the field without any tools at all. You could take your cables off, string, everything, put new cables, new strings, and be up and running probably in like three minutes, you know, if you had to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so then as far as right up until the, the 2010, 2011 timeframe to, you know, that's basically 10 years, uh, 10, 11 years from today's date, what have you guys done differently or how has your bow changed in the last 10 years from, from, uh, you know, the, the initial launch of the, excuse me, the, the initial launch of the bow and, um, the upgrades to the cam lock system, what kind of innovation have you, uh, Im implemented since then? Okay, perfect. So in 2011, so after introducing the cam lock technology in 2011, we come up with the high efficiency limbs and then we put a roller guard system on the bow and we wanted to focus on a slim profile of the bow. So keep the bow nice and um, it's only like an inch and a half wide, the whole bow inch and a quarter inch and a half wide. Um, also in 11, we introduced a new arrow rest called the twister cable drive, uh, which is a uh, more of a kind of a limb driven design. Right. Uh, it gives you the full Right? And that was introduced also in that year. 
Um, moving on to about 2014 or so, we came up with our easy tune modules, which allowed you uh, better capability of uh, timing the bow as well as uh, minimizing cam lean on the bow. Yeah. So it made it tune a little nice, right? Um, as well as we started getting into the target more into it. We had a Mamba T39 target bow, and it started doing well in you know local areas. If people winning tournaments with them and doing well, so that's when we started tasting the target field as well with our with our bows, right? Um, 2015, we introduced a camera mount system, so you can mount a camera like a GoPro above the fangs on the riser, so it gives you a top view of your shot on your bow. So you can now have a place to, it becomes like a, a tripod in a way mount on top of your bow. So it's easy to install a camera for filming your own hunts. Okay. Um, and then we wanted to increase the performance further. We started working more on the limbs and that year we introduced a twin flex limb technology. So everybody at that time started going to the split limb. We wanted to stay with a solid limb line. I've always believed in uh, having it kind of simpler to better. Yeah, which is how we've always kind of product as well, and but we wanted to gain more performance, so we made it so instead of having the only the lower section of your limb flexing and your fork section be, remaining rigid, we machined the limb forks so they actually will flex as well at full draw. So now you have more working area on the limb, giving us a higher level of performance. And that year we introduced the King Cobra Twin Flex. It's called. And that one was reaching speeds of 370 feet per second, you know. Uh, so that one, again, was a top with the charts when it comes to speed. Um, so that was in 2015, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe you need to correct me on this when I, I'm about ready to make a comment about sure. speed, right? When when you're you're trying to produce a ton of speed, the draw cycle tends to be a little... I, like, I don't know if the, the term harsh is the right word, but it's more of an aggressive draw cycle in order to get that, in order to get that speed. Have you guys, um, you know, I could, I could shoot a, a missile out of my bow if I had, uh, you know, the stiffest possible limbs, or if I had a, you know, a hundred pound draw weight or things like that. So at the same time, you guys are, are are putting out the fastest bow on the market in this 370 or um, uh, area. How have you also um, addressed the the draw cycle and the comfort of the draw? Okay. Now, of course, the the higher the performance the bow is, just like you said, it will be a little harder to draw it back because it's ramping up to peak weight sooner in the draw cycle, yep. maintaining peak weight throughout the draw cycle and then letting off. And usually they have a little shorter valley at full draw, right? So you will sacrifice some, I guess, um, comfort, right? Shooting such a bow. Um, one thing to keep in mind, right? If you take a, say, a 60-pound King Cobra, it will outperform most 75-pound bows on the market today, right? So always keep that in mind. So it doesn't mean you... You have to just watch your peak weight, what you are comfortable with, right? So um, you may find, you know what, instead of shooting my, my bow at 70 pounds, I can buy a King Cobra, shoot it at 60 pounds and maintain the same or more kinetic energy. You know what yeah. I mean? So so you're talking so about, you, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're talking about performance as IBO speed. Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. So speed. All right. So, was IBO, so. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, so then um, one, one may consider, like I said, if you're physically fit and you can handle, say, a 70-pound bow, then it's going to just give you that extra power, flat trajectory, kinetic energy. Yeah. If you're not as strong yourself, you may consider, you know what, I want to go to a more efficient bow that can reduce my weight to 60 pounds, yet maintain the same power I'm getting out of my current bow that I'm shooting at, six, at 70 or 75. I can get that with a 60-pound Cobra, for example, you know what I mean? Um, so it all depends on the main thing is not to overbow yourself, right? That's kind of what it comes down to. You need to be comfortable so you're, you know, you're not 
uh, rushing the shots, you're, you're taking your time, you're not struggling to hold the weight, you know. Now, as far as the smoothness, it's not a huge difference. Like you can, if you take a King Cobra right now and drop back, um, it's not like, uh, it might feel a little heavier, maybe like five pounds more than a normal, a slower bow may feel, but it does give you quite a bit more output, you know. So, and then you got to also keep in mind when you're running a fast bow like this, it will have a lower brace height. So yeah, you're, you will sacrifice a little bit of forgiveness if your form is not, you know, on par, right? Right. So what is the, what is the current brace height, um, of some of your, some of your bows? Uh, do you offer, I know that uh, some brands offer a variety of different options, right? Um, uh, a longer and shorter option for axle to axle, and then maybe a shorter or longer, um, uh, option for, uh, uh, for brace height. Um, what, where does your brace height and axle to axle fall in that? Okay. So we offer eight different bow models this year and the shortest bow is 28 inches and our longest bow is 38 inches. So it's, we have quite a, you know, um, variety to choose from and the brace heights, they go from the shortest brace height, which is our King Cobra dangerous game this year. We'll talk about that in a bit. I'll give you a little bit more about it. Yeah. But that bow is sitting at five and seven sixteenths of an inch. So just under five and a half inches. That's the shortest brace height bow that we offer. And our largest brace height bow is seven and a half inches. So um, again, we have nice, great selection really to accommodate just about anybody walking in to the door or anybody wants to get into archery with an APA. Um, we can kind of accommodate what they're looking for, right? Gotcha. So uh, w- whether you like a, a longer axle to axle, a shorter axle to axle, a, um, you know, uh, a, a, lo- a bigger brace height, s- smaller, you guys have a, an option for everybody. Exactly. So okay. it makes it um, really nice as far as uh, selection. And as also for draw weight, we have a really large draw weight range as well. We can go right as low as 30 pounds all the way up to 100 pounds, you know? So, yeah. um, I don't think any other company has that type of a range anyway, as far as, uh, yeah. draw weight selection. Yeah. So when it comes to draw weight then, um, and obviously, you know, like I know some, some bow manufacturers, if you want, uh, an 80, pound or or higher you have to have different limbs on your bow right you guys are offering mm-hmm. a 30 to 100 on the same limbs no actually we have also a separate limb gotcha. that would be required right so let's say for example um we we on most of our bows is one or two that have a 15 pound range but most of them are a 10 pound range, right? Just like most manufacturers. So you go, for example, 70 to 80, 80 to 90, 90 to 100. So as you, as you're making these options, right? The, as men, right? Sometimes we like to beat our chest and say, you know, Oh, I, you know, I'm tough. I'm strong. I'm, I'm a badass, And, uh, you know, I, I dabbled in the 80 pound range for a while about, mm, man, it might've been 10 years ago, uh, when I was shooting an 80 pound bow. Um, as I got older, I realized I don't think I necessarily need to shoot an 80 pound bow, but it was cool when I did shoot a deer with an 80 pound bow and a, you know, a, a heavy arrow. And I was just destroying anything that I hit. Right. So from a, from a market standpoint, are you seeing, people uh, are you selling a lot higher poundages or is it just a, another option just in case somebody wants it surprisingly we are getting you know more than i anticipated in the heavy draw weights we do get you know we we have built a, a strong reputation for building you know uh, a high draw weight bow that is reliable right so we are getting more and more people wanting that heavyweight stuff. Yeah. Now, it's of course never going to sell your sixty and seventy pounds. You know, that's still right, right. Definitely the high, uh, you know, most popular. But we do get 
quite a bit still of the heavyweight category as well, you know. Yeah. Okay. It does, you know. Um, like, I, that's the other thing. You, it was interesting what you just mentioned about at one time you used to shoot 80 pounds and you loved the power you were getting, you yeah. know. With, and I was the same. I had 80 at one time. I've been reducing my weight, you know, as I got older. Um, you know, I went to 75, 70. Now I'm shooting 65 is what I'm at, right? But because I'm shooting a higher efficiency bow at 65 pounds, I'm getting about the same power or kinetic energy that I would normally get from an average 75 or 80 pound bow, you see. So now it kind of goes back to what I was telling you earlier. Like, let's say you like that kind of horsepower, but you can't draw the high draw weight. That's when you want to get into something like the King Cobra Dangerous Game, for example, you know? Okay. And so is that you're getting that same kinetic energy? Are you bumping up arrow weight as well to get that? Or are you getting the same the same amount? You're getting the same amount. It's up to you what arrow you select, you know, to go with it. Like I say, I want to go hunt antelope out in the open or mule deer. I'd be running a little flatter, lighter weight arrow for, to get the maximum uh, flat trajectory for little longer range shots. Now, if I wanted to hunt something heavier like elk, moose, something like that, then you might want to have a little bit more weight. But any way you slice it, you're going to gain more power, whether you go with a lighter arrow or a heavier arrow when it comes to um, using a high, a more efficient bow to launch that arrow, you see? Yeah. Okay, because um, from from my understanding, efficiency is for, like example. Uh, for example, if you have a lot of hand shock in your bow, that means that you don't have a a very efficient bow because the energy that is generated isn't going directly into the the launching of the arrow. It's going other places. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Usually, the quiet is the less vibration it has that means that energy is being absorbed by that arrow when it's leaving the boat you know right it's not being dissipated where yeah you know what kind of testing do you guys do uh in order to you know say hey we have a really efficient bow it, it it's so efficient in fact that we, you can drop down our uh our weight and still perform as some of the other 75 pounders on the market yeah like we we just we are a company that kind of likes to push limits, right? And um, and it kind of goes right from from the day we started. We have to always try to improve and improve. How can we make this better? How can we make it faster? How can we make it quieter, lighter? Just that, right? So you keep picking away at every component separately. You know, you're working on the limb. You try to get that limb as efficient as possible. You go to the cam. You want to you know skeletonize it, make it draw very. Uh, efficiently so there's almost zero waste of energy during the draw cycle um so limb movement uh, limb angle this stuff and you have to put it together test it and then what we do then we test it kind of with extreme scenarios where no in normal conditions nobody would put a boat through such a situation right just to make right. sure it's going to have the endurance reliability right yeah um but okay. we've been successful in in designing bows in this way and um and we just basically um you know just put them through a certain series of tests to make sure that you know that everything's handling what we're putting together right 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 so when you guys every year right and you're you're coming out with do you guys come out with a new bow every year or is there a a gap in between the 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 changes that you make usually if it's not every year it's every second year for example i mean like last time we left off i think we talked about the king cobra twin flex in 2015 yes. so 2016 we introduced the soft touch armor which is that um kind of a rubberized feel to the bow when you hold it in hand it's a little, yep. a little armor a little softer a little quieter if you bump it on a tree stand and then we introduced the direct mount wrist link, so you can put your wrist link right into the bow. You don't have to have a piece of leather to hold it in place um, as well. Uh, so those are the kind of little, I guess, improvements that we did in 2016. Now, the, the line might have been very similar, but we just added a couple of little features to the line, right? Right. 
Um, in 2017, we introduced something that was really an improvement on our field, the draw cycle, the hold of the bull. We call it the rotating draw stop. So we were getting a little bit of people saying, I wish you guys had a, a more solid wall on at full draw. It had a little bit of, you know, sponginess to it, especially if you're not shooting high draw weights, you know. So then um, we uh, introduced what's called a rotating draw stop, which gives you that uh, you can personalize the feel at full draw now by having limb stops that can be engaged to contact the limb at full draw, and you can adjust your valley. You can really personalize that feel, and it's like rock solid draw back, and it's just zero movement. So that was introduced in 2017. Uh, and that same year, we introduced a twister top load arrow rest, so you don't have to feed the arrow through the cradle that we normally had. You can just simply put your arrow in from the side, load it, and then shoot it. So that was the yeah. same year, 2017. Yeah. Uh, 2018, went to 80% let off on the, on the cams. So that was kind of the change we did on that year. And then 19, we introduced the Mamba 28. That's when we went really short, yep. uh, compact, you know. Uh, that one was really uh, felt amazing in hand. It was just dead, totally dead during the shot. Uh, it was actually compared a lot to the Matthews Triax is what was really a lot of our customers compared it to for how it felt, you know, when you shot it. Uh, it was a nice 7.5-inch brace height bowl, 300 and I think 45 or 50 feet per second. So it was, a again, a uh, well-performing bowl, you know. Right, right. So limb stop versus non-limb stop um have do, do your customers have a preference on that uh do you know does one sell more than the other i mean because i used to not shoot limb stops but then i went to limb stops didn't like it but now i'm back at limb stops because i figured out i needed i actually needed a longer draw cycle i, I always shot 29 and uh, 29 uh, inch draw, but then I went to a pro shop and they said, dude, you got to shoot a 30. So now I'm shooting a 30 with limb stops and it just, it's a night and day difference for m my personal feel. Does like, what did you find out? Like, what are your customers like? Okay. So I would say the majority of our customers would prefer the limb stop. There gotcha. is a the few that don't like a limb stop, they like to have a little bit of that, you know, little movement at the full draw, just using your cables as a stop, right? Right. So that's the nice thing about our cam design. It gives you the option of using it both ways. So the limb stops are on, it's like a disc that we developed that goes on the side of the cam and rotates along with the cam. So you can actually um, activate it or deactivate it. So if you like limb stops, you just simply activate them into place if you if you don't you can just simply rotate them out of the way and then you have your cable stop so it gives you choice you know yeah yeah okay um so when it when it comes to you and your your crew and you're sitting around the table and you're talking about what to what to change next or what to introduce next to the apa brand like what does what do those discussions look like? How I, I, you know, you've already told us that you like to stick out and be different. How much does that play into the decision making these days compared to what it did back in the day? And and how do you guys make your decision on what technology to add and innovate um, for the next year? Yeah, being different and having a product stand out. I think quite critical for our company because um, if you're going to make a bow that's very similar to what's already out there, you're likely not going to make it in this industry because you have to ask yourself, why would somebody want to buy this bow when I can buy this certain brand and I know that's been there for 20, 50 years, you know, and they're making basically the same thing. That way I don't have to, you know, the reliability, the, uh, the confidence, is uh, is there, right? So you're not going to buy something that's really not going to gain you anything, right? So for us, we need to come up with something that's non-existent in the world today, right? That's what makes it attractive for people to take the step 
away, say, from a big brand that they're familiar with and they're comfortable with and take that step to go to something, you know, fairly new to them, right? Um, so that's always very important. So even when we designed, like, for example, 2020, in the year 2020, okay, we introduced a new riser design. So we don't usually change our, our look very often, but that year I said, you know, it's time for us to just do a complete change on the main riser, right? So we had to rebuild it from ground up. And what inspired me is the the black mamba snake. If you look at the top view of the head of the snake, it looks like kind of a, a coffin shape to it. So yeah. we said, you know what, I'm going to use that to make our new look. So we worked and, you know, did a lot of sketching and testing and whatever. And we come up with our target bowl. We started with our target risers and got them the black mamba riser. And it has all these snake cutouts in the head. So again, it's unique to the industry. Nobody's ever done anything like that before. That along with our features, it really made the bow stand out even further. You know what I mean? In the market uh, from, from the crowd, you know, yeah. as yeah. a same year, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, go ahead. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Like, and the other thing we introduced was, uh, that was a really strong year for us because we introduced three technologies. So I guess one would be the new look at the riser and we made it better balanced, more rigid, um, uh, just felt better in hand and so on. Uh, we also added um, what we called our weight distribution disc system. So that new Black Mamba riser now, you can actually add one, two, four ounce weights at the very top of the riser or at the very bottom of the riser to really balance the bow the way you want it and make it um, sit more steady in hand when you're aiming, right? So that was kind of neat. Uh, that was also introduced in 2020. Now, the other thing we did in 2020 was we, uh, I come up with a new uh, stabilizer system called, uh, we call it the mass transfer module. So it's a stabilizer that will install to the string stop rod of a bolt, allowing you to balance your bow front to back as well as side to side with just one screw, which makes it really nice, especially if you're a hunter, instead of having that big stabilizer kicking back towards you, getting in the way, this is all tucked in within the bow, and you can really personalize the feel of the bow after the shot with the stabilizer, you know? So we patented that. In fact, we also licensed that to uh, True Globe. They have a version of it, too, that they're using uh, that you can buy aftermarket to put onto any bow. Um, and lastly, we introduced the most important technology we introduced in 2020 was our micro-tune technology. That was something, I think, really unique to the industry, nothing like it where it allows you to time your bow, time, time your cams, by just simply turning a dial on your roller guard. So we have a roller guard that is um, that is actually adjustable. So what happens is, let's say you want to advance your bottom cam, you just simply loosen a lock screw, this little thumb knob, and you turn your adjustment screw, another thumb knob, and tighten it down again. And now you've actually set the timing on your bow without having to take the cables off or anything. So you can do it in literally seconds and you can get it perfectly in sync using this technology, you know? That's crazy. Uh, that That's awesome because I know that in the past, I never used to uh, time my cams, right? Uh, this year was one of the first years that I actually spent time, took my bow to a bow shop and had them uh, like really take a look at timing my cams and, and putting twists in my string and all that stuff in order to, uh, you know, you know, I paper tuned my, uh, my arrows as well. So put, you know, putting that extra thing. So, so you're telling me that on your roller, you, you don't even have to do anything from a uh, from a cam uh, point of view, I guess the, all the only thing you have to do is adjust the roller guard, and it it will help t uh, time your cams. That's pretty crazy. Is that a first? Is that a first to market? It, it is the first. We have a patent on that technology too. Like we have quite a few patents on all these things I'm talking about, but yeah. that's the, the last patent that that we got granted. You know. Yeah. Now that 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 roller system the nice thing about it is you don't have to be very knowledgeable in the art of tuning a bow you know yeah um, we have 
videos online where it shows you how to use it. So you can just simply you draw your bow back. If you're finding the one cam is a little faster than the other one, you just slide down. You know, loosen the red thumb knob, turn your black thumb knob, tighten the black, t- tighten the red one back, try it again, and there you go, you're done. It's as simple as you could really time your bow in a matter of you know, ten seconds. You know, yeah. Uh, so that's simple that is. Um, so that was a really cool idea. I think that was uh, that that really helped, especially because we use a true dual cam system. We've always believed in that system since APA started until today. We've been just um, working with a dual cam and refining it, and refining it, and making it better every year. Right. Right. Uh, the challenge timing of a dual cam before, because you know you have to make sure they are synchronized, um, and now this eliminated that problem basically because you could literally adjust the timing by just turning a small dial and you're done you know yeah and that's pretty cool man that that's awesome what uh where do you think apa is heading in the next five years or the next 10 years you know you know we are i honestly think we're probably at the spearhead of technology when it comes to uh the hunting backcountry bow like uh, and we're going to continue to make even probably there's more coming around the corner we're always developing products you know we're testing you know continually testing you know thinking at least two three years in advance what we're going to be doing you know and uh, we have ideas that are being tested as we speak right now in the field to keep on improving on a compound bow you know and and keep making things again more unique and things that don't exist in the industry today. That's kind of my main focus. I don't want to be making a copy of something. Uh, a lot of companies do what we call R and C, research and copy, right? Yeah. So we we're not that way. You know, we we actually want to make something that doesn't exist, something yeah. that's unique. You know, yeah. That's like the rest of our book. Yeah. Um, in fact, 2022 was another big year for us this year is when we, I told you earlier, we focused on tunability, right? So now you have your micro tune to work with, like I just explained. Uh, and then we also have a, what we call the knock point alignment zone. So on the rod where your arrow goes past your arrow rest, we have machine lines. Now you can line up your, um, your horizontal uh, level of your arrow. So you don't need a bow square. You can kind of just put your arrow on and you can tell where your D loop needs to be for up and down positioning. Okay. Okay. And then what we did, our cam lock pin, which is what's used to lock the cam. It's in your bow in the tool center. We took that same pin and we laser etched it with a center shot. We call the center shot indicator, right? So now what you can do is take that pin out of your tool center and insert it into the riser right where your arrow goes past the arrow rest. We have a, a whole design where you can put that pin into the riser, and it will allow you to now set your center shot of your bow without any tools. So now you can set your up and down with your D-loop using the knock point alignment zone, and then you use your center shot indicator pin to let you know your center shot left and right on your arrow rest where it needs to be. So you can actually set up a whole bow without any tools at all, like no lasers, no nothing. You just simply do whatever these steps that we have. And then the other thing we've done is uh, we have now what's called the variable yoke technology for 2022. So it's a floating yoke system on our cam, so it automatically adjusts the cam lean for you, so you don't have to worry about setting the cam lean yourself by adding twists on one side or the other, you know? So again, making it easier for the end user to just grab the bow and have it tuned fairly quick, you know. So um, the floating yoke system, uh, it's oh, it's like it's always in a state of balance. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. Okay. Before, you had to uh, add, for example, two twists on the left-hand side, and take one twist out of the right side to get that cam to be in line with the string, right, to be right. Uh, square. Now it actually will self-center itself, especially with our twin flex slim technology. It works beautifully on having it basically, it's like having a standard transmission and an automatic transmission in a vehicle. It just does it all for you without you having to do anything, you know? Right. Man, that's pretty, that's, that's awesome. It, so it sounds to me like someone can pick up one of your bows and 
other than draw cycle or draw length, they can go in. Can can they adjust on draw length yet? You bet. Now the the, the our bows have seven inches of adjustment on those cams in half inch increments. The only thing you'll need is just modules to put into the cam, but you can actually replace them without a bow press because you could just use our cam lock technology to access all the screws. You know where you just you have to take out two or three screws remove the module, install a new module to change your drawing. Gotcha. Well, it sounds to me like someone can pick your bow up and follow some instructions. I noticed that on your website, you have um, the APA website. You guys have videos that show people how to do some of this stuff and, mm-hmm. uh, and basically tune a bow to your liking and not ever have to take it to a, a bow shop. Realistically, yes. Yeah, uh, I feel anybody that's uh, you know willing to do it on his own and just takes a little time just to watch the video on how to do it, you should be able to do it right at home uh, or in the field. Yeah, with on your own if you need to. If you don't feel comfortable, you know some people don't feel comfortable to work on their own boat, which is fine. You know, then you just take it to a pro shop, right? But if you like doing your own work, it's probably the best boat out there to do it with because it gives you that capability, right? Right. Right. Well, that's awesome, man. So the last question I have for you here is as, you know, as people start to listen and listen to this and people are starting to make their decisions on what bow they want to go test and shoot and, and what that looks, you know, what decisions they're going to make for uh, the upcoming 2022 season, why should they consider an APA bow? Okay, no problem. I'm going to answer that. And one, uh, I want to mention one thing before that, just so to show you a few other. There's so many technology on this bow that unfortunately it does take longer to talk about it. <laughs> but it's interesting. I think, yeah, looking for something like that. Right? Um, one thing I should mention too: uh, we introduced a new arrowrest this year. We haven't even advertised it really because we're a little bit behind in production right now, and I don't want to create any more attention than necessary. But we have a new uh, ARS called the Twister 360. That's the nice, best ARS we've ever designed. It combines all the knowledge we've learned over the years since we started and put it into one ARS. Uh, so it gives you that side load capability, full containment. You can use any diameter arrow. You can orient your clutching any direction. You can have your cock feather up, down, sideways, whatever you want. So it's a kind of all-in-one rest, which is quite an impressive rest. Uh, at the same time, we also uh, put on the top and bottom limb what we call the torque-free limb anchor. So you can now attach your limb-driven arrow rest center on the limb. So, again, minimizing any side torque on the limb uh, when, you, when using a, a limb-driven style arrow rest. So, like I said, we really focus on that tunability. We want to pick every little corner of that, you know, this year. So that's new again for 2022. And then lastly, um, I guess I should talk a little bit about the King Cobra Dangerous Game. Now, the Dangerous Game is a bow that is, uh, again, high performance, available up to 100-pound draw weights and 365 feet per second IBO, which is a really amazing combination. It's light. We made it a little smoother, a little quieter on the shots. It feels like a lot of people shoot it. They don't quite feel that it's a high-performance bow, as we talked earlier the faster the bow, the harder it is to shoot. But with this King Cobra, it's kind of actually quite quite nice to shoot still. It surprises a lot of people when they try it, you know. Now, um, if you're looking to get an APA bow, our flagship bow would be the Black Mamba 31. That bow kind of gives you kind of the perfect balance, I guess, of everything, especially what a hunter would like. Um, um, so it's like 31 inches axle to axle. It's got a just under seven inch brace height. I think six and three quarters of an inch brace height. And it's got 350 feet per second IBO. And it's got all the APA features built into it. Um, and if you're looking for a really compact, the Black Mamba 28, again, around seven inch brace height, same speed, 350, all the features um, built in. Now, when it comes to accuracy, you know, a lot of people, you know, feel that, you know, the dual cam may not be as accurate. 
but I want to mention this year, uh, or just last year, actually, uh, one of our uh, pro staff, David Drahowinski, he is from Europe, and he was competing in the 2020 Tokyo Paralympics, and he won the gold medal this year, that year, actually, just shooting our Black Mamba 38, and he broke his own record and took the gold medal with it uh, just actually recently. So that shows you, that was kind of nice to see that not only are we making a functional goal, but it's not sacrificing anything when it comes to accuracy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you know, let's just tell, tell us how you really feel about your bow. Do you feel that the the bows that you have available right now would compete with any bow on the market? Definitely. No yeah. question. You, know, you can have, you can put this bow against anything built today and it will not disappoint you. You know what I mean? It's yeah. that type, that what that we're putting out. Like, which is pretty amazing, you know, considering we're not we're a younger company, you know, other companies out there have been building bows and everybody makes, it, everybody makes it an amazing bow now, right? Right. And I've shot every brand there, you know, from Hoyt to Matthews, Bowtech, you know, uh, and really you can't find a bad bow, to be honest. Now everybody makes an amazing bow. We just want it to be, I guess, an outstanding bow. You know what I mean? Something that yeah. jumps out of the crowd, they can do more for you. you know, that's what we focused on, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of videos and information on these guys' websites, apaarchery.com. Go check them out. Uh, Nadal, any last words for our listeners? Well, you know, one thing I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast. And if anybody would like to learn more, if they could uh, follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, we have a lot of information coming out very uh, regularly. And we we show a lot of videos and new releases, and that part uh, seems to be very uh, informative for anybody looking to learn more about APA Archie. 